0: Okay, everyone. Hold on. Before we get started with our episode, I know that we had promised you guys last week we would have a new episode out, and we didn't. But that's because I was out of town. We tried recording um, the episode over Zoom. I was staying at a not so great hotel, uh, uh and clear. the Wi Fi cut out, yeah, so, yeah, the,
1: uh, it's evidenced by the, the that the Wi Fi cut out, yeah, Wi
0: Fi cut out. So, um, we got about 55 minutes in, and, and then I just you know lost connection. So, instead of a two part episode, we're just going to do a supersized episode, it'll be more reminiscent of the first season, yeah. And so, sorry about that, guys, we'll get better or not, and um. Let's go ahead and get started with the show.
1: Welcome to Reservations, we're your host. I'm Rain Whalen And I'm Jeremy Blair Uh, So we're doing this over Zoom, uh, not because anyone's sick, but Jeremy's out of town
0: I am out of town, and so just so you guys know, I'm staying in a really shitty hotel So (laughs) the internet might not be great, so I might cut in and out, I hope not, but it might happen So far you've Um, been good Okay, good, Uh, or you might cut in and out for me, I don't know So uh, I'm staying at the Quality Inn so, uh, um, quality and What's the opposite of a recommendation? Um,
1: uh, it's a don't <laughs> go here.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's not terrible, but it's not the best. So, well,
1: as compared to the hotel we stayed in in Weatherford,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which one would you? Oh, prefer?
0: dude. Oh, Weatherford. Uh, that place was really is great. <laughs> that place is <was> great. <laughs> great. Everything was clean. Uh,
1: because they also double as extended stay, you know, that, that could be someone's actual like home for a while. So, yeah,
0: dude, I loved it. I thought it was dope. Um, that place was rad once they fixed the air conditioner, it was rad. Um, but here it's like, yikes, you know what I mean? We got bamboozled pretty hard, but bamboozled, uh, bamboozled. Uh, we got hoodwinked, but it's so cheap that it's like, I don't care. It's five, yeah. five nights. For less than three hundred dollars is what I paid. Oh yeah, that's 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 not too bad at all. Um, and so uh, I can handle. We had to buy Lysol wipes and spray, and <laughs> uh, so we did all that, and so we're fine. <laughs> but <laughs> we were like, this is gross. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, well, yes. And so I'm in. I'm in Greenville. Uh, texas for a wedding Uh, my girlfriend is staying with the bride at the moment the wedding is tomorrow and so i have the um luxurious room all to myself (laughs) so yeah uh if you guys see anything behind me please don't let me know that will really scare me so um i'm supposed to be alone you
1: you you live in a haunted house so i think you'll be fine
0: i don't Um, think it's haunted it's just old
1: (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of our trip to Weatherford, uh, everyone, I know we mentioned it uh, when we got back from Weatherford, um, but the movie set we visited dropped a trailer for the movie that we uh, imposed on. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll we'll put a link down in the description. Uh, That'd be great. Everyone, it looked really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, June 11th, I think, uh, in select theaters, and then they are going to yeah. be expanding it in uh, June 18th,
0: I believe. Okay. Are they not going to drop it digitally?
1: I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I wonder at least we're not right is. now. Um, And one more final thing, guys, uh, as you can tell, it is just the two of us. Unfortunately, uh, Jazz could not make it. Um, again, like we mentioned, or I mentioned last week, she is in the Navy and she still is doing her exams and things like that. So, Obviously, uh, talking about a movie isn't that important right now, (laughs) Um, but we're going to go and get this out of the way. This is going to be a part one of a two part shining episode, so we might be able to get her next week for part two. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, It might be have to it might be over zoom again, but at least this way, you know, we'll get her input.
0: Yeah, 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 because, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this, which, you know, during this week, I haven't really had time to research, which is why I asked to split it up, um, because I can talk about the the actual movie and what I like about it all day long, but I can't Mm -hmm. get into the other stuff, right? Uh, I've been so busy, you know, meeting all of her family and all of that stuff and (laughs) um, doing this wedding stuff, so. um,
1: Well, and I think it works better, two parts, especially with a movie this dense. I mean, yeah. I mean the movie the movie itself is pretty easy, but all the the mythology <laughs> around it yeah. and um you know the adaptation as a whole deserves a whole episode. So right. So today everyone will be uh, part one. Um and what we're just gonna do is we're just gonna talk about the movie. Uh we'll get into more of the the mythos next week um yeah
0: interpretations adaptation um talk that's next week so yeah i'm gonna so, try not to talk about it
1: today. i mean we'll probably have to talk about a little bit of it but okay. we'll really probably try to save it for next week but uh yeah so uh in case you missed last week and i'm sure i already got the poster up in the edit we're discussing the shining 1980 uh how jeremy mentioned it in our 80s month series the start of the year in
0: 1980 yeah 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 they kicked off 1980 with the shining um (laughs) and what was cool is i was going to listen to the commentary um today while i was watching the film and uh it was cool who they got for it because obviously they can't get kubrick
1: right um
0: and so it was weird because no one involved in the production really um, was in the commentary. It was a, um, a Stanley Kubrick biographer. Uh, So Um, he wrote a book about Stanley Kubrick and the inventor of the steady cam really, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Well, it's important that he has input because of how the movie looks at all. Right. So there are so many steady cam shots in this mm-hmm. it's not the first movie to use the steady cam, but uh it's the one that utilized it the most oh in, yeah. in its infancy yeah
1: oh absolutely yeah um you know more so in the the tracking shots of danny on his big wheel yeah, yeah. um which i thought was so cool how they did it because the rigging put the camera up here, but mm-hmm. danny is, you know, Five feet off the ground, and yeah. they're like, "Well, what if we just flip the rigging and have the camera down here, and it it, it yeah. works perfectly."
0: And it's perfect. And they did something similar with him running through the hedge maze in the snow, mm-hmm. uh, in the final moments of the film. Um, and again, like once once you once you have it in your mind that they're using a Steadicam. You're going to notice it the entire film. That's oh, yeah. There there are so many shots that are using it. Um, it's think of it as handheld, but it's a lot smoother than oh, yeah. Um, but they get so much more motion. I don't, we've never done an episode on Halloween, I don't think, but um, no, 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 we have Halloween, I think, was the first film to use the study game, um, in the Mm. open. The opening tracking shot, the POV shot of young Michael Myers sneaking into his house and killing his sister—that was uh, uh, that was all done in steadicam.
1: Yeah, well, of course, John Carpenter is also a genius in his own right. That's true. R.I.P. to the, uh, another legend.
0: Oh, John Carpenter's dead.
1: <laughs> is he dead?
0: I don't think so. Everyone, uh, post in the comments if he's dead. <laughs> I don't think he's dead, so uh, that's that's not true. Uh, but <laughs> how do we deal. Um, um, but anyway, so
1: so we do have to talk about this. Um so if anyone didn't know, this is an adaptation of a Stephen King book, also called The Shining, um that Stanley Kubrick decided, I'm gonna keep the setting and the characters, everything else can go away.
0: Pretty much. Uh there's <laughs> in mean, the, the book is this thick, right? The book is long. Yeah. Um and I think that's always Adaptations' downfalls mm-hmm. um, up until recently, when people decide mini series are okay, right? Right, um, and people will watch them. But then that didn't really happen. I think there were a few mini series that existed in the world, like Roots being one of them. That was a big um, commercial success um, in the seventies, but you know, adapting a book for film you know their thought is we got to trim a whole bunch off of it Mm. right and this is with pretty much any adaptation they were doing right oh Oh, yeah and because we need it to be x amount of hours you know like two hours whatever this is almost two and a half uh, which is still pretty long and we're not going to we're not going to split it up into two parts that didn't exist then (laughs) Really, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, uh, um, uh, back to the future hadn't uh, hadn't done that yet, so
0: right. And so, um with Kubrick, he loved the book that so this is it's sort of contradictory the the way that he loved the book and then what he ended up doing to it. yeah right? <laughs> um because even Stephen King goes through phases where he loves the movie and then he hates the movie, right? Um, because looking at it as just a horror film, it's perfect. Absolutely. Um, if you, if if you never read the book, it's perfect, okay. Yeah. But if you are like myself and love Stephen King and love the way he writes and love his storytelling, it's not perfect. It's it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it's an adaptation.
1: I, I yeah, I started to listen to the book on Audible, mm-hmm. and. I haven't finished it, but what I have listened to and uh, re-watching the movie, I'm like, yeah, that's... No, that's not right. Yeah,
0: none yeah, of no, right. that's not right. Yeah, yeah. I know. And yeah. I think <laughs> it starts relatively okay, and then once Ullman introduces the hedge maze... It's like, and, well... And Olman is friendly to him. You know, yes. he's a nice guy yeah. Uh, yeah. to Jack, which, no.
1: Yeah, <laughs> in right? the book, and he's kind of an asshole this is
0: for this is for next week but you know essentially this thing is completely different um especially in the way that they end um mm. and uh, we'll get yeah. into how mike flanagan sort of uh sort of you know takes that to his advantage um with dr sleep uh but we'll get to that later um shut up because i really yeah because i really like what he did with uh with dr sleep because he was forced to have to change major things from the adaptation mm-hmm. because the overlook is still there right yeah um but anyway so let's let's jump right into um Danny Lloyd is the worst actor i've ever seen no i'm just <laughs> <kidding>. um <laughs> he is but we don't have to start there um <laughs> He may not be the worst child actor in the world, but he's definitely up there. Um, <laughs> let's jump right into just the opening. So, mm-hmm. um, the little commentary I got from uh, the the guy who wrote this Stanley Kubrick biography was how how much he obsessed over just the color of the text for his films. Really? So, like for the the scrawl. Of Mm -hmm. the credits In the opening He I mean he kept changing the colors Making sure they're just right um, Because he liked that they were in color Right and he likes that they um, They moved up As As an end of the film Would be right Right. And it's so funny to me Because that I think encompasses Kubrick Perfectly because he's so obsessed With the color of the text That that go ahead And just tells you You know Everything the rest else of right. Yeah Which is You know I even wrote on my notes Poor Shelley Duvall <laughs> Yes Poor Shelley Duvall <laughs> Because um, Because of how obsessive He was With
1: details uh, Now you, Speaking of that You being The The the, the film history buff um, When did Kubrick start getting this Uh Anal, I guess I would say
0: Or, you know, getting comfortable with his own unique style Would you say it was 2001? (sighs) Yeah, probably Because he had done, like we had talked about before The Killing, which is amazing Uh, Uh, Dr. Strange Love Dr. Strange Love Spartacus, right? A lot of these were just They're not quite director for hires But they are Kubrick films, right? Like you wouldn't consider them to be Kubrick films even though Dr. Strangelove is incredible and it's amazing and the killing is amazing. And Lolita is, it's great in its own right. Um, But I think 2001 is when he decided to, it was another adaptation, but it was so different because he and the author were working together to create the story. Mm -hmm. He was writing the book during the film production. So uh, okay. they were able to collaborate and share ideas, and you know, really make a cohesive story and make it this very unique adaptation, which is they were happening at the same time, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I would I would think that it would be two thousand one. That would make sense to me.
1: Yeah, because uh, as we both said, poor Shelley Duvall Shelley had Duvall. to walk backwards up those stairs. 127 times, and that's not even
0: the worst. No,
1: no that's this not isn't, even the
0: worst. That didn't give her a mental breakdown, you know? No. It didn't help. But yeah. It and, didn't help um, that 10
1: years later she just decided to stop acting. Yeah. yeah um,
0: I know. Uh poor Duval. Um but
1: yeah, if if anyone didn't know that, um, the scene in question is when uh Jack in my opinion gives one of my favorite lines um uh the I'm not going to hurt you um which is also coincidentally one of jazz's favorite lines is the darling light of my life you know um <laughs> yeah. and they're walk and he's walking up the stairs and she's walking backwards up the stairs and mm-hmm. uh Kubrick had them do that 127 times to get yeah. it perfect. Yep. And it's yeah. just <laughs> I mean, would I say it shows? No, the scene looks great as is. So. Yeah, I don't
0: know which one they used, but yeah, <laughs> I don't or which combination of ones they used, but uh, yeah, I mean it's great, you know. Um, and Kubrick is—he's so meticulous that it—and this bleeds into next week's theme, but. It's what really fuels the fire for mm. these interpretations and mythologies within his films, right they, yeah. everyone has to figure out what that red book is on Omen's desk or why in the world that kid is wearing an Apollo 11 sweater. Why mm-hmm. uh, you know why, a,
1: why the the hotel has a uh, impossible layout. You know.
0: I was going to bring that up. I wrote that down because I don't think that has anything to do with um, what we're going to talk about next week. So oh, okay, uh, impossible geography of this of, of the hotel. Um, mm-hmm. I like the idea of that. I it's hard for my brain to wrap around it myself because I would have to memorize the or have it in front of me, uh, yeah. the overlook and then see where they're going and try to see where they are. And whatever, right? I, but I've heard that in several places that it's a lot of these hallways don't exist or they shouldn't.
1: Yeah, like um, the the biggest example is the window in Ullman's office. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone says that shouldn't be there. That yeah. if you're looking at the the overlook properly, because you know they used um,
0: it's a place in Oregon.
1: Yeah, they used yeah, that lodge yeah. as the overlook. And if you look at it and track how Jack comes in, that window shouldn't exist. And
0: see, and this is what I'm talking about with the with this obsession with trying to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but see, I really liked I like the idea of that. I don't know if it was intentional or not. It probably um, wasn't. <laughs> No, because the the guy in the commentary was talking about how meticulous he was about having the set in England recreated mm-hmm. perfectly from the lodge they used. So I I don't know I so maybe they got something turned around and it just it, it's like Marcellus Wallace's band aid right yeah um it's just an accident and yeah. it becomes part of the mythology of the of the story right. Oh yeah, um, and but it also
1: kind of it helps to add to the the um, the thing you know with the the hotel itself as being alive and
0: yeah, it is sort of like a, a portal to the afterlife in, in a sense. It's this mm-hmm. it's this hub um, for death and and evil and whatever. Yeah. Which
1: often begs the question, which of course, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I'm answering it, but it's like, you know, it seems like people are only really affected uh, when there's no one there, you know? Um, when,
0: right. They talk about Grady, right. mm -hmm. Um, which that story is a little different in the book also. Um, Because they weren't well, yeah, because they're not supposed to be twins, those girls. So uh,
1: well, see that and see that's a misc you know, that's another sorry, it will we'll talk more about it next week, but that's another misconception that they're always referred to as the Grady twins, but even in the movie, yeah, they're referred to as eight and ten.
0: Yeah, yeah. So So they're not twins, but uh and they're not twins in the book either. So um but you're right. It's this sort of like Ullman was describing to Jack as sort of a cabin fever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, this sort of manipulation of the vulnerable. Right.
1: Um,
0: and you're right. It really does only happen to this extent when people are alone.
1: You know, and, and which begs the question, too, is is there something supernatural at work in the hotel or is it just... Someone who's unstable, finally going over the edge.
0: That's a great question. So, um, again, I'm sorry to keep bringing up the other the book because we were going to do that next week. But, um, but well, I
1: mean, but it helps to it, to understand makes, the movie.
0: That that interpretation makes sense because of how obsessed Jack gets with learning the history of the hotel, mm-hmm. and which happens so, in the book. All of that is in his brain um, as he's slowly going insane, right? Right. Um, And so it would make sense that his delusions or his hallucinations would be of this thing he's been obsessing over every single day in the basement.
1: Well, and also I know that there was a deleted scene from the movie where it was going to show Jack reading history of the hotel. Mm -hmm. But for some reason it got cut.
0: They are the uh, most boring chapters in the book. Oh, um, that's probably why. There are, because it is literally a history book um, for that <laughs> chapter. Uh, Dad and I, I think we skipped it um, when we were listening to it on our way to uh, the Stanley Hotel, which is where Stephen King got the idea, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about it next week. But um, yeah. Yeah. we're like, oh, my God. you know, Who like. This is so boring. And it matters, but I don't care right now. <laughs> Where are the ghosts, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And so, but in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, it's built upon this ancient Indian burial ground, right? <laughs> um, Which is not in the book. Um, yeah. There's a lot of Native American symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and imagery in Stanley Kubrick's *The Shining*, mm-hmm. um, which of course helps with the idea it was built on a Which, which will you know, really,
1: I, I really want, want to talk, talk about. about next week too, because <laughs> that rabbit hole goes super deep. I know, I know, uh, for that theory, but um, but you know, something going back to the movie, you know, something that I think helps. That Stanley Kubrick does kind of do from the book is to help the audience understand: is Jack just losing his mind, or is there something supernatural here? Because you know they include that in the book. You'll have to refresh my memory, but in the Mm -hmm. book, Jack is sober for only like a couple weeks, right? But in the movie, he's sober for five months.
0: I think it's a couple months. I I don't know if it was five, but. I don't think it was just weeks. I think it was a couple of months, but, um, and he was doing pretty good. Uh, he was still contacting his sponsor, which is a really big deal in the book, uh, because they went through a traumatic experience together, uh, because, because of their drinking. And so, uh, it's bonded them and also helped remind each other why they're staying sober. Right. And so that's his, his alcoholism is a gigantic theme in the book. Where here yeah. it's not really.
1: Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's mentioned, but I still feel like it it, it. it Stanley Kubrick is trying to give us almost poke holes in the theory of you know maybe this isn't really supernatural.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, where Stephen King is like it's supernatural. Like <laughs> there's no question, right? Yeah. Um, especially with the fact that you know Danny and. Dick Halloran have this ability to speak to one another and to to see things and to, right so mm-hmm. um, which we can get into Dick Halloran um, because he is also a character in it. Really, um, I don't know if you read the book. Um, I thought when it burned down. Um,
1: I own it. I own the book, but okay. I haven't
0: actually read it. Yeah, so what Stephen King likes to do is he likes to connect certain things. Right. Um and so one of the brilliant ways he's did that is putting Dick Halloran um, in this story of the Black Spot, which oh, is yeah. a big deal. In, uh, in it. But anyway, um what I really want to talk about is what makes this a great horror film. Let's let's mm-hmm. just ignore yeah, let's keep yeah. stuff for now. Yeah. I want because this is one of the greatest horror films I've ever seen.
1: I, I really, so, okay. So I know you've seen this as per most of the movies that we do. You've seen this more than I have. And I have only seen this uh, in the past year um, because when Dr. Sleep was announced, I. I really wanted to see it. And then when I was told that it's a sequel to The Shining, I was like, well, I gotta see The Shining now. And I really, I really loved it. I never reading the book, I loved it. I, I thought it was, you know, I was I was expecting it to be more scary. Cause you know, mm-hmm. around this time in 1980, you know, we've had We've had Halloween. Um, we haven't had.
0: You've had. had
1: uh, we and then we. I think we had the first Friday Thirteenth, mm-hmm. uh, which is the best. When actually, no, the first three are the best ones. The rest of them are garbage. Um, yeah. but you know, so I was expecting it to be that kind of horror, not not in the vein of like slasher horror, but but a little bit more gory. Okay. But I actually loved it way more that it was more psychological mm-hmm. and more plays with our mind. And, you know, like I was yeah. mentioning, is this supernatural or is this just a man, you know, going crazy from cabin fever? Because the ultimate question, because the ultimate answer to that question is who let Jack out of the pantry?
0: let jack out of the pantry yeah. um, that is answered I believe in the book I don't remember that part in the book but I think Grady lets him out um yeah of the pantry which of course makes sense because it is supernatural in Stephen King's world right right
1: um but yeah I mean and you know my boy Jack Nicholson uh, just really... Killing it, and I mean that—I <laughs> mean that with the pun. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, it was it was awesome, and especially considering this ha- was my first Stanley Kubrick movie I'd ever seen. You know, oh, okay. um, this you know eventually led me to getting uh, Doctor Strangelove. Um, I've got The Killing and Barry Lyndon on my Criterion wish list. I've so got. 2001 in my watch list. So, yeah, you know, this...
0: Well, and, and you had like, seen A Clockwork Orange.
1: Oh, we, uh, never mind. Clockwork Orange was my first Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> Son yeah. of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you said that. But yeah. it's... Even with all of the... You know, all the stories that came out, what happened on set with Shelley Duvall, and all the different takes and things like that. Uh, it's still a perfect movie. Oh, well, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. perfect movie to watch. There we go. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, when I, when I told Ashley we were going to do this, she was like, yes, finally. Uh, because, you know, finally, it has, yeah. Well, and because, you know, it has, It has just, you know, such a big pool and has been referenced, especially the movie, in so much pop culture throughout the years.
0: Yes. So that's a good thing to bring up is that it's very hard to kind of, at least for us, to step back and just watch it as a film, not as this cultural icon that Mm -hmm. has that it has become, right? Right. That, you know, when people say, here's Johnny, they've never seen or heard of the movie, but they've heard people say it. Right. Right. Um, and they don't even realize it's a reference to Johnny Carson. I mean, they're just, you know, they just know the the line, right? Um, right. In the first episode of Hannibal, uh, which is a show I love very, very much.
1: As do I. Um
0: Hashtag, hashtag season four, please. Um, Brian Fuller. Uh, Will Graham. Yeah, Brian Fuller. Will Graham and um, Crawford go into a very red bathroom. Um, and it of, it, of course, is to mimic um, Jack Torrance and Grady in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, in the red bathroom in The Shining. Right? I mean, so it's even in you know things that have nothing to do with the shining really um are being influenced by the shining because they are so iconic and yeah. like the red bathroom and in the green the green bathroom in room 237 and right these these things are just ingrained in our brains
1: oh yeah um, and and i feel like especially and you're probably going to hate me for this but in 2018 when uh, Spielberg Steven Spielberg when he did uh, Ready Player One there is a whole mm-hmm. part in the movie when they're looking for the second Easter egg the second key uh, where they step into the world of The Shining Um, and he uses a lot of virtually everything is the original shots they just had to go in and like you know, CGI certain things. CGI everybody um, in. Yeah. Um, the
0: opposite of what Mike Flanagan did, by the way.
1: Go ahead. Really?
0: Yeah. Mike Flanagan what? had to recreate every shot oh, because well, he's using different that,
1: people. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, because like you know, then they had to. The only thing they really had to reshoot was the, the Grady sisters, um, because I guess a lot of their footage, had become. It 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 was hard to composite, so they had to. Mm -hmm. What they did is they got stand-ins, and then they then they were able to composite. But anyway, but you know, I I felt like with that movie, that kind of resurged because they really made a point to talk about a lot of the mythos about how Stephen King hated the movie, um, even though the movie is widely considered to be one of the best horror movies, and uh, um. Jack Torrance sort of makes a cameo, uh, mm-hmm. and it's Jack Nicholson, but you don't really see his face. But uh, it's, you know, that's cool. it, I need to I
0: need to see that part of the movie. I think I think I'm-
1: yeah, because I know you don't. I know you won't care about the rest of the movie.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> um, not even a little bit. Uh,
1: but then you know, like, yeah, you know. So I feel like that really kind of helped bring a new audience to The Shining. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for people who maybe never read Ready Player One or anything like that, and they just saw the movie, and they're like, "Okay, well, what's this movie now?" Uh, yeah. And it's just it's just so cool too, because the move because The Shining is just it. One of the things I love, and I feel like I've mentioned it in some of our Wes Anderson episodes, is the use of framing, and mm-hmm. the the framing in this movie is. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, especially, especially when shots are centered around Jack's typewriter. Yeah. It's so, it's so beautiful.
0: Yeah. I, um, you bring up a good point. So <laughs> yes. Um, yes. In the space of the frame, things are either dead center or things are very bright um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm thinking about the bathroom scene Where that red is just popping Right behind Jack mm-hmm. Right um, Which again is brilliant And then, you know, we have the steady cam shots Which are incredible We have um, What I love Is, especially in the opening Is we have this really If you were to watch it on mute <laughs> I pointed to the TV, you can't say Um you would think that it's a very peaceful, you know, just a a scenic um, shots and whatever to, to open this film that we don't might be, you know, a a feel good movie or whatever, (laughs) but you turn on the music and it's full of dread and fear and foreboding. Mm -hmm. And these two things juxtaposed together, you know, make for a brilliant psychological confusion of what I'm seeing is very pleasant, what I'm hearing is not.
1: Yeah, and and it also kind of supplants that idea of, especially how the camera is moving Mm -hmm. around Jack's car, it's almost like something is following him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it, it plants this idea in your head that maybe you know, maybe Jack was chosen to go to the, the overlook to, mm-hmm. to succumb to it. Cause they knew he would be the most vulnerable. Right. Almost. I mean, maybe I'm reaching and I'll save more of my reaching for next week. <laughs>
0: but, Lord knows there's going to be plenty of reaching. Oh yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. But, um,
1: but still, I mean, but even with, you know, it just feels like something is watching him. Yeah. Uh Especially with, the steady cam shots of Danny riding his big wheel through the hotel. It feels like something is there right behind him the entire
0: time. And every time he turns a corner, you, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat until oh, yeah. you finally get the payoff of something's there. Right? Oh, God! Yeah. Um, and I, what I, I don't, I didn't research how many times they had to do that, but. Uh, how imagine, many times he rounded the corner or how many times, you know, they had to just, track him on that big wheel because you can't just you know since it's one shot you have to do the whole thing over again right yeah um so i don't know i don't know how strong that little kid's legs got uh <laughs> by just uh pedaling that big wheel all day um
1: danny lloyd going to the premiere with his parents and he's in like short shorts because his legs are so like
0: yoked out yeah they're so yoked and people are like oh damn what's up dude hey man your acting sucks but hey man cool legs, man <laughs> but those calves muscles though well, okay, so uh there was another thing that I absolutely love about this film, and that's the and it also has to do with the sound. Okay. Um, is the absence of sound when Danny is having his his sort of fit um before they leave to go to the hotel. He's still mm. in his house. Mm-hmm. And we get the of course the very iconic elevator full of blood. Mm-hmm. Um we get flashes of the the girls and then we get flashes of him screaming and all of this is really without a whole there's very soft music mm-hmm. but i mean we don't hear the things that we were being shot right right I
1: yeah like that. oh yeah and especially when you realize that that shot of him screaming is from later on in the movie right when danny is shining witnessing dick halloran's death yeah, it's and you're like, oh, like he knew that was going to happen, but it's. Uh, yeah. Um, and of course, you know, of course, the, the, I know that's expanded upon in the book, especially with the character of Tony, which we'll probably save for next week, too.
0: Yeah, we'll save Tony for next week. Um, By the way, this I hate this. The <laughs> thing, I hate that. Um, was, was that I had like- a com- That's my complaint for the film. I don't like this. I don't like was that. was
1: that a Danny Lloyd decision or did Stanley Kubrick tell him to
0: do that? I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that if if Danny Lloyd had a dumb decision, <laughs> Kubrick would have shut that shit down so fast. Shut. <laughs> He'd be like, That's yeah, he would be like, What if I do this? He goes, No kid, that's dumb. You know, and you're dumb. You know. Uh, Why did I hire you? I have no problem believing that. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he didn't get replaced immediately is insane to <laughs> me. Well,
1: also, um, I mean, it was the 1950s, uh, 1980s, dude, you know, not, you know, even Shelley Duvall, poor Shelley Duvall, even she comes off a little bit wooden at times. Yeah,
0: she is. She's a little, she's a little stiff. I, I think that if you're around Jack Nicholson all day, who is <laughs> literally chewing scenery, I mean, it's, it's amazing just how. Just how over the top he is. I think they're just like, maybe we need to pull it back, you know? Um,
1: As we're saying, the Kubrick was like, nah, man, ramp that shit up.
0: Yeah, ramp it up to 11, please. It was like, that movie Uh, hasn't come out yet. It was done matter. So, Spinal Tap. Wait, no,
1: 1980? Spinal Tap should have been out by that point.
0: I don't think so. I thought it was uh, like 83 or something.
1: Let me call yeah. Rob Reiner really quickly.
0: All uh, right, yeah, call Rob. Tell myself sub, he'll know what it means. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> um, again, the the whole idea of Dick Halloran dying is also a big misstep. Um, he doesn't die in the book, so um, well, but he's dead in Dr. Sleep, though. He is because he's old and he died. Well, yeah, age. that makes sense. Yeah. Do you? Do but think- of course, he he he's dead in Doctor Sleep because he's using Kubrick's trying. Uh, okay. So, um. Anyway, R.I.P. Well, Scott McRuthers.
1: Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, every time I see his name when I watch the movie, I'm, I just immediately like Scott McRuthers,
0: Scott McRuthers. Um. Yeah,
1: so okay, so I want to ask, ask you this then Uh, because since you asked that and if your answer if you feel like your answer needs to be saved for next week then just remind me next week sure but why do you think kubrick wanted to kill dick in the movie
0: i don't know that's a great question and i don't think we need to because again that that's important um to what we're talking about today because i think it's it's to make it more horrifying maybe to make it a horror film Um, instead of this very dramatic, thrilling ghost story, which is what really essentially The Shining is. Um, It's not, I wouldn't call it a a horror book or anything. Uh, Yeah. It's a family drama with ghosts.
1: Okay, I, I was hoping you were about to say it.
0: Yeah. But, you know, Kubrick wanted to make a horror film. He loved certain aspects of the story. The things that he either didn't like or or didn't think would serve in this genre, I think he just cut it out. I mean, um, to fully visually represent it, Jack passes a maroon, a upturned maroon beetle um, on his way to the Overlook, which is what Jack drives in the book.
1: Uh, um, Dick does.
0: Oh, Dick does, right. As if to say, fuck you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? because...
0: Um, I'm doing what I want. I don't know if he meant it like that. I don't even know if any of this was malicious at all. I just think that Kubrick had such specific, strong opinions and ideas of what he wanted. And he thought that The Shining was a great template to create this horror film he wanted to do.
1: One week later. So you're really saying... That Stanley Kubrick just want, really just wanted to use the book as a template for a horror movie.
0: Yes. And I the there's evidence in this movie uh-huh. that he... Sorry, this is really hilarious. Um, that we just jumped right in. <laughs> um, I, there's evidence, if you watch the film, that he likes the book or loves the book, right? right? And pays attention to details in the book. I mean, there are certain lines of dialogue that are taken from the book. There are mm-hmm. certain... Details that necessarily don't need to be in there mm-hmm. um, that are from the book, and that, you know, so it's not like, you know, if you saw the 1990 miniseries for It, uh, the director didn't read the book. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, that just makes... the writers did, obviously, and yeah. uh, he just directed the script, right? Right. Um, which I think is. Well, Uh, and also
1: that was a made-for-TV movie. Right, right,
0: right, right. So it's not like he didn't read the book or he read it and just said, fuck it, I'm I'm just using location and names. That's it, right? Right. There are things in there that are from the book. I mean, this is... I think it's just those things stand out more because of how different everything else is,
1: right? Right. Like, uh, Like the difference in, you know, the 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 animal hedges versus the
0: hedge maze, you know? yeah. Um, which that's a, that's a gigantic change, and yeah. I think the the change that allows for over analytical nonsense uh-huh. is room two thirty seven because right. it's room right. two seventeen in the book, so there would really be no reason why we would need to change that.
1: Right, which you know, there's so many theories yeah. on why it was changed to 237 rather than 217. You know, I th- I'm 90% certain they confirmed that it was because the hotel that they based the, the overlook for, for the movie had a room 217 and they were scared. Like, hey, people are gonna know that this is based on our hotel. We want people staying in that room. Can you change it
0: now? Here's what's funny is that the hotel that uh, Stephen King stayed in, where he based the Overlook on himself, the, the Stanley the Stanley hotel. hotel, that room is booked year round, years in advance. Yeah, like it is. You can't. It's never empty. Didn't uh, you? You said you've stayed in twice. That. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I stayed uh, when I graduated from high school. Uh, Dad and I took a trip. Uh, up there to to go stay there for a few nights, and then when I graduated college, I took mom, uh, and my buddy Kale, and uh, we stayed there for a few nights. Um, it, it's it's a really really nice hotel. I mean, it's very old. Right. Um, there is no air conditioning. Oh fuck. But what's funny is that where and we we don't understand the concept of this unless you're there. Uh huh. But even in July. At night, it's cold, and so you can just open the window.
1: Oh, it's It's in Colorado. Because it's in Colorado, right? right. Um,
0: And it's north of Denver, and so it's cold. Yeah, you know. Yeah, being from Texas, what is cold? Yeah, what is that? Right today, I you know uh, Haley and I went to uh, just have a picnic with some pizza and her bunny rabbit. Oh yeah, and it was hot. Yeah, (laughs) it was hot today. (laughs) So yeah, uh, yeah. But see, in Colorado. At least in in Estes Park, where the Stanley Hotel is. um, I mean, it it could be, you know, the middle of summer, and it's cold at night. So, like, you need a jacket. You know what I mean? It's Hmm. nuts.
1: Yeah. So, you know what? I kind of want to jump in to the the lore surrounding this movie, because I don't think... I've seen another movie with so much mystery.
0: Yeah, I would argue around it. I would argue another film that's like this, coincidentally is 2001. Oh um, <laughs> yeah, Which is also Kubrick, right? Uh-huh. Um, I would consider 2001 as masterpiece. That is that is all Kubrick, right? Mm-hmm. And it's everything we would get to love about his style. In the second half of his career, right? Right. Um, But you're right. I think that, you know, with this one... And it has a lot to do with the changes, right? Okay. Because people who love the book see this movie, and then they go, there has to be a reason he changed it, right? There has to be some sort of hidden meaning in all of these changes, because why? Right? Right. Right.
1: Because, Because with 2001, at this point, Stanley had proven, like, there's a reason... For every single frame in my movies
0: And there is a great interview That recently was uncovered A year or so ago Explaining the ending to 2001 And he explains it He tells you what's going on And why every time we switch uh, angles in that room. He's getting older, and you know he's mm. right. He explains all that. I'm not going to do it here, but he does explain it.
1: We may put a. If you can give me that link, we'll yeah, probably put it. Yeah, I can try it, to
0: find the interview.
1: We, you know, we may put it in the in the doobly do.
0: Yeah, in the, in, the, in the corner or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, one, one of these places. Um, that's 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 really interesting. So but you're absolutely right because there was an answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, what's up with the ending? Right. Right. which almost seemed unsolvable, you know, because it was so unique and so different, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just so bizarre that they're like, I don't think there is an answer. And he just comes out and says, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Here you go. Here's the answer. So, which means there's one for this one, right? Right. Um, um, coincidentally,
1: uh, I found a book at Barnes and Noble, I almost got it, but I was. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like thirty bucks. Oh, there. was it the
0: archive? Yeah, yeah. I I um I got that for my birthday a year or so ago. Dad gave it to me. Yeah, it su- it's
1: super thick. Oh, it's
0: gigantic because it's his entire filmography.
1: Yeah, and I I really wanted it, but mainly just for the Shining part of it. Right. Like, even though I've seen Doctor Strange Love and I love it, I. I want to keep the mystery alive. I don't want to know how he did certain oh, okay. things. Yeah, I get but that. the shining, there are things I want answers to. Yeah. And I was like, "Uh, eh, $30 doesn't justify this much of this big ass book it's
0: gigantic if uh i mean we can put up a picture of how big it is yeah Um, maybe
1: i can find like a side profile yeah something something.
0: it's huge um but you're right it is this gigantic book that you know has a lot of these sort of behind the scenes information and Mm -hmm. his notes and things like that that he kept and whatever it's very cool i i've skimmed through it i completely forgot i owned it for this episode (laughs) i probably should
1: have texted you when i found it like yo dog and then that because way you could have that way you could have that that you looked through it, but but yeah, you know, and uh, you know we're we're gonna go and get this out in the open. The if anyone comes across the documentary, Room Two Three Seven, don't watch it. Um, I remember after hated it. Ashley and I were on a big Shining kick when we saw Doctor Sleep. We mm-hmm. loved Doctor Sleep. Yeah, and when I got the four K uh steelbook of the shining with the you know so we were just on a big just like shining kick like we did the shining and doctor sleep in one day yeah and then we found this documentary and we're like that seems really interesting
0: and it does seem really interesting
1: the tra- uh, i mean props to whoever made their trailer yes
0: the trailer is really really good mm-hmm. um very well put together and it seems like it's going to be legitimate information
1: and so you're like oh wow and so it's you know it starts off kind of kind of slow as most documentaries do i was
0: waiting i was like okay so this is the beginning once we get the title card it's just gonna go we're gonna start seeing these people's faces because i want to know who's talking right wrong they don't do that you know why because they're cowards
1: if anyone has ever seen a documentary you'll know uh (laughs) the the interviewees show their faces, they have a little name. Most of the time, right? Most of the time. Uh, you never see who's talking. I mean, if you watch it with subtitles on, it'll say their name and Will who's really?
0: Ta- mm. I don't even think they say their name.
1: Um, uh. I, don't, I don't think they do either. <clears throat> but none of the information that's given is either A, already known, like most of the shit they said, Ashley and I are like, yeah, we already knew that. Right. Or B, it's
0: so out in the left field. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, how did this even... Yeah, a lot of it is just wild speculation and really just they have an idea of what they want this movie to be and they are trying desperately to, to have f- it fit, having the information they have fit their hypothesis, right? Uh, it's pretty much putting, uh, trying to fit a uh, round peg into a square hole. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's nonsense. But, uh, I mean, I, I remember vaguely... Thinking every once in a while Someone will say something I go Okay maybe Right Because uh, yeah. I I am personally I like certain fan theories I don't like the name But I right. I like that people Have these sort of the, Finding a new lens To look at a movie through mm. By Sort of Speculating on Certain aspects of it Or You know I'll give you a wonderful example I just found out A few days ago is that there's a theory of that fans uh, and anyway there's a theory that 7 uh uh-huh. takes place in Gotham City before Batman um cuz they never say the name of the city Ooh. and you know whatever i kind of like that i you know there's it's not true, but I oh, think right. But I think it's really neat. I think Fincher didn't want... Listen, we can do a seven episode later. But, yeah. But I think in that case, he just didn't want to pigeonhole this story in one place. Right. So don't mention where the place is. Right. right. That's all that is. But I like the idea that someone is saying, what if all this horrible stuff is happening? Because they, they argue... I think it's whatculture.com uh, did okay. the video. They, their their rationalization was John Doe is this very fantastical Gotham-esque like supervillain, right? Okay. Uh, that's very flamboyant, theatrical with his murders and things like that.
1: Kind of very
0: mysterious and wanting to wanting to teach a lesson, right?
1: Kind of, kind of, almost reminiscent of uh, the Calendar Man. Uh, from from mm-hmm. the long halloween
0: comics uh-huh and w- which you know and so there is validity kind of to seven being taken because there's nothing explicitly that says it doesn't right right with this oh yeah it, it's more like well you know he did that because obviously and there obviously okay it was their attitude also They were just like, you're an idiot if you didn't notice this. But I'm smarter than you, and I noticed this. Well, fuck you.
1: And here's the thing, too. (laughs) And and here's the other thing, too. Um, We've done a uh, Kubrick episode before. Um, I'm sure we will do many more uh, the more we do this. But Kubrick is a fantastic director.
0: But he's not perfect. I completely agree. And And as far as imperfect people go... He's pretty close, though, because, yeah. you know, his movies just seem so flawless.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the, you know, some of the people in that documentary are like, you know, like, the one I hate the most. Here we go. Is the, um, the shot, the push-in on Danny in the bathroom, and we see a little dopey sticker mm-hmm. on his door. I remember this one. Cut to later when Danny has his psychic trip out about what's going to happen yes. when they do go, do go to the overlook mm-hmm. i apologize if anyone heard that
0: someone's yelling outside
1: um the dopey is gone mm-hmm. um and one of the talking heads was like yeah you, yeah Cooper is saying that he's not a dope anymore I'm like oh. is he though
0: oh. or
1: did they maybe think that that was dead space and was like hey well, let's put a little sticker right
0: there. Maybe one was filmed before the other. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, because not all movies are filmed in chronological order. No, I mean, this one definitely was. Zombieland, uh, the first zombie that was filmed backwards. They yeah. filmed the ending first and then worked backwards. Yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah, I I agree, and I think that that is, you know, they they want to seem relevant, therefore. Here's my ideas to make me seem smart. You're not. Or and that's <laughs> or ooh. Mm. Oh any,
1: here we go. yes. Here we go. Any any theory that anyone had involving Danny, I completely would, like the um, like when Danny's playing with the toy cars.
0: Oh, with yeah, the with the one. carpet pattern, and is this when he's wearing the Apollo sweater? Right. Yeah. Which that's another thing too. Don't like, get it started on the God. Apollo shit. Actually, um, you can, because that's what the
1: episode Yeah, we Yeah, and we're going to get to that. We're especially going to get to that. But like when he's playing, you know, he's, and he has the trucks following the, the pattern of the carpet, and we clearly see that where he's sitting, the carpet pattern is closed. The, 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 the hexagon uh-huh. attaches. But then when Kubrick flips the camera, it's open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of people are like, oh, look. He, I'm like, no. He's, it, it, he probably was not paying attention. To he, the carpet. Which he, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Because I mean. you
0: know, like I watching behind the scenes stuff, I also want to take this moment to take back what I said about, <laughs> about Shelly Duval. I did
1: not think you would actually bring this up. Of
0: course. Um I, I think last time I said poor Shelly Duval. I take that back. Well, because Shelly Duval is not only a terrible actress, but she's also very difficult. So I'm gonna go ahead and say I hate Shelley Duval. But um <laughs> But <laughs> Just watching the behind the scenes stuff, she was driving me insane She's gonna sc- and, Well here's why So uh, we'll get back to the theories and stuff right? But here's why I think Shelley Duvall Was Quote unquote being mistreated on set mm-hmm. It's because she was being difficult And here's, here's one an example So I don't know if you watched the the like the thirty five minute behind the scenes footage I s- that Vivian Kubrick shot.
1: I started to when I first got the four K. Yeah, I was like, I really, w- I really want to see what's what happened. I just couldn't get into it. Okay, and I was like, I was it's like, not I a
0: traditional behind scenes, What we would now think of behind the scenes, right?
1: I think that's footage. why. But <clears throat> maybe one day I'll actually sit and I'll watch it.
0: Keep in mind, this is nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> Kubrick not only has done, like, The Killing, Lolita, uh, Paths of Glory, all that stuff before 2001, but he's done 2001. He's done A Clockwork Orange. He's done Barry Lyndon, okay? Mm-hmm. He's done all of that by now. Right. Shelley Duvall is going, you know, I don't know if that's right. I think that this this is better. And I go, uh. shut your mouth. <laughs> like, I, I... It's not like Kubrick's new at this. You know, so, I think if Kubrick says, how about you quit flinching every time he says something it looks phony, listen, because he's going to make you do it 2,000 times until you do it right. But not only that, he knows what he's doing. You wait, know, Don't so, argue.
1: So did he really say that? Quit flinching? Yes,
0: he goes, you got to stop jumping every time he talks to you. It looks phony. Knock it off. And she goes, well, I just thought, he goes, knock it off, <laughs> you know, because it looks phony. He's yeah. exactly right. It looks fake. Right. And,
1: um, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because Wendy being scared of Jack is
0: in the book, but not nearly to the extent Shelly Duvall portrays yeah. Wendy. Of course, another gigantic change is Shelly Duvall has black hair and um, Wendy is, is blonde, blonde. Uh, in, in the in book, book, which yeah. is, uh, a big change. Also, Dick Halloran survives the book, by the way.
1: <laughs> I think we said that in our time, did trip. we? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, and, um, Past Rain and Jeremy talked Past about that. Past Rain and Jeremy talked about that. Yeah. yeah. We'll but anyway. Uh, right. So let's... So, uh, so that was driving me crazy. So I just wanted to, after doing some more research, take back poor Shelly Duvall because Shelly Duvall deserves it.
1: So. So, so what you're saying is if she was being more like collaborative, like I think, hey, Stanley, for this scene, maybe... Or just can trust I, it. I, can I try this?
0: I think she was being an actor. I think she was being... I think a, an actor in the traditional sense of what you would think of like uh, being sort of like a diva kind of, yeah. And it almost makes you think Hitchcock was right there. They treat them like cattle, tell him where to stand, tell him what to say, move on, you know, um, you, Shelley Duvall makes that seem okay. <laughs> well,
1: uh, well, sidebar, uh, Tom Holland apparently did that for the first time. Finally was an actor and like, uh, when they were filming the new spider-man movie apparently they wanted him to wear a wig because he had cut his hair for uh the uncharted movie that's coming out and he was like no i'm not wearing a wig you can deal with it well because well apparently he's never done this but he was like i because you know he he's had to wear he had to wear a wig for cherry uh which i'm sure he didn't like and it's probably uncomfortable and you know, and apparently, uh, and I'll you know I'll save all this for the other time. But anyway, we're getting away. B- but but, but uh, that's my. I, I see, but I see the point. Yeah, that, that, that instead of trusting, uh, and or at least being more collaborative, she was just like, no, I'm gonna do this.
0: And it also the behind the scenes proves a fun little um, story I had heard about Jack Nicholson. Where he was on the set of A Few Good Men, uh-huh. and he would be screaming and yelling his lines, right? And then they call cut, and he would just smile and sit back and go, "All right." I mean, <laughs> completely done, right? It was It's good take. guys. good take. It's it, that's exactly right because on the behind the scenes, he would do his take, and then they go cut. He goes, "All right, that was pretty good. Good job." You know? <laughs> and, and he would be talking. Like, I mean, completely goes back to being Jack Nicholson,
1: right? Jack Nicholson is... Which is dope. A goddamn national treasure.
0: And I really want to get to some of the directional stuff that I really love about this film, but let's continue on with this whole... With the theories and and debunking Room 237. Yeah, because that (sighs) movie's dumb. And I... Again, it's the Marcellus Wallace Band-Aid problem. Yeah. Where people want to overanalyze things that are just either mistakes or things that... Have don't have narrative oh. meeting, right? He had cut his head shaving that morning. Tarantino liked the way it looked. Yeah. And that's all that's all it <sighs> is. Yeah. Right?
1: The only the only thing that you ever have to analyze in Tarantino, which shout out to our very first episode, first episode. uh, is the briefcase. What was in the briefcase? A light bulb. <clears throat> now, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but <sighs> Yeah, I, I Like I, I do like debating <clears throat> I'm not really debating. I do like talking about what things could mean, not more so in the sense of what is Kubrick trying to tell us, but more so in, in like, like what isn't he telling us. Not like, oh, Danny was wearing an Apollo 11 sweater. That's Kubrick telling us he faked Apollo 11. Which if anyone, everyone should go see the movie Moonwalkers because uh, it's that's one of the theories oh. of how Kubrick did it. That he faked the moon landing. Oh, okay, it's got uh, Ron Perlson in it. Uh, okay, Ron Perlson, Ron Perlman. Oh, Ron Perlman. Um, I like him. Rupert Grint. Uh, Interesting. It's 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 alright.
0: Okay, it's pretty
1: funny here and there. Uh, the ending is hysterical because when they see the actual moon landing, they're like, "Wait, did we do that?" And that's how it ends. Uh, but anyway, um, that's but great. like I don't, I don't think. That's why it was in the movie. I think it was the 1980s, you know.
0: Here's a here's sweater. There you go. Yeah, and honestly, like, and then, of course, I, we alluded to it last time. Uh, we alluded to it in the first half of this episode. <laughs> uh, but the, the Native American stuff. Yeah, that is the only thing I would say. Not necessarily Coop, mm. Well, it's because he he added in this this narrative element of it being buried or uh, on top oh, of Indian uh, burial which is not in the book. So, right. I think he needs to to sort of play that up more. So, having the Native American imagery, imagery right? Exactly yeah. the the tapestries, the paintings, the whatever. Uh, I think that helps sell the that,
1: that idea. That's the only theory. That I do agree with, and it's not even one they talk about in the documentary. Um, is that <clears throat> because the site is bar- uh, built on an Indian burial ground? You know the Indians, all the violence attributed to them is what they, they essentially curse the hotel. Yeah, and the, their their blood is the one that comes up from the elevator. Right,
0: right, right. right.
1: Um, that not I do. Thought. That I do like. Okay. I do
0: appreciate that. Um, yes, that one I heard, but I don't remember where, but, I heard um, it. I also watched a video. I may have also mentioned it in the first half of this episode, uh, about the Carl Jungian stuff. Did we talk about that? No, I don't think so. Um, that if he, not,
1: you're going to hear it again.
0: Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, th- I watched a video cause I thought it was going to be dope. I thought, I think we did talk about it cause it was the red book theory. Um, yeah.
1: We we talked about it off mic.
0: Oh, did we really? Yes. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, that uh, Carl Jung's The Red Book uh, is on Stuart Ullman's desk in the beginning. And, you know, it's these Jungian uh, uh, psychology theories. And that's with the whatever. J, everyone. Yeah.
1: He's not going U, like U. Jung. It's a J. J-U-N-G. Wait, it's this way.
0: J. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Anyway, the Red Book had not been published, um, widely published to the public yet, not until like 2009. Really? And so it's it's probably a prop, but uh, people knew about it, and especially mm. Kubrick would have known because he was really into psychology and Carl Jung and, <clears throat> and things like that. So yeah. there are some things that are in Jungian psychology that can be used to interpret things in The Shining. I don't know about that. It makes sense only because he was super into Carl Jung, but not to the extent I think that they were. Again, it was very it was very much overreaching for certain aspects of this movie, right? right? Um, not to say that it's impossible, but Now, I do want to ask you this theory. Sure. Cuz
1: <clears throat> I have heard this one. Sorry everyone, I'm trying to just get my mic back to where it was. Um, I have heard this theory and <clears throat> Although I don't fully support it, okay, it makes sense. Okay. <clears throat> Do you believe... <clears throat> sorry, my God. That Jack uh, sexually assaulted Danny.
0: Ooh. That's interesting. For this movie, right? Right. right okay. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, the book, it's just...
0: The book is no. No. The, well, what's really interesting about the 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 big jack difference is his alcoholism is barely touched on in in the movie right, right. cuz in the in the book when when there's he, like a whole chapter when that... he gets that drink at the hotel it's a huge deal mm-hmm. that that he drinks it because that means the hotel has complete control over him he's going to go off the wagon he's going to become violent and whatever
1: right yeah, yeah there's there's a whole chapter in the book just dedicated to how bad his alcoholism was yes
0: and why his sponsor is so loyal to him and what they went through together and all that stuff so as, as we're the movie it's just like uh he lost his job at the school he hurt danny he doesn't drink anymore
1: he's been a couple months sober
0: and that's pretty much it yeah. um you know him breaking Danny's arm in the book is a gigantic deal. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as where this is just scaved over in a couple of she lines. Goes, ah,
0: he didn't mean to, right? <laughs> Which is sort of Wendy's response in the other one, but, um, but it was a really big deal. So that's that's a big jack difference. But right. uh, the the molestation theory is really interesting, and I kind of like it. That's that's a fun one to think about
1: because you know he there's so like like I said I don't fully support it because it just, I don't want to believe it, I guess. Okay. But all the evidence makes sense. Tell me some of the evidence, right? One of the evidence, pieces of evidence. Now, of course, I think it's just the prop person. I is hate like,
0: your shorts, by the way. I didn't even notice you were wearing those.
1: Oh. No one can see him anyway. No, oh,
0: they can't. He's wearing uh, University of Texas shorts. Dude, these are
1: old. I've had these for years.
0: I'm a uh, Texas Tech grad, so
1: go ahead. <laughs> this, this is the better school, but, you know, <clears throat> It's in our nation. It's in our United States capital. <laughs> okay. But anyway. Uh no, so so he um uh shit. Oh, so when they're doing their tour <clears throat> of the hotel mm-hmm. and uh Ullman and the other guy I can't think of his name, when they walk up to Jack's, he's we he's reading Play Girl.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Someone like someone apparently zo- like enhance the photo and he's reading play, play girl. girl
0: magazine now i don't
1: that's the part that i'm like eh. i guarantee you the prop person was like here here read this read the you know and just look through it jack
0: nicholson thought it was funny and he probably was just like okay fine
1: yeah you yeah. know but you know then like a lot of the camera movements in their apartment when like jack looks into mm. oh uh,
0: okay I, I see what the you the room
1: mean. and um there's a great video, and we'll probably put it in the link for the for, for the YouTube, uh, from a channel called New Rock Stars, where they did a full breakdown of it. And they talk about how the bear picture above Danny's bed ties back into the bear and the man later on that yes. Wendy sees.
0: Which is, of course, the the original manager of the hotel mm-hmm. was a closeted homosexual and that's in the book. Oh, right, right. And so that's also a bigger deal. But... Anyway, uh, but it has
1: no explanation in the movie, they, which is crazy. They say that it's... Uh, they draw the comparison that this is how Wendy finally oh. comes to the realization that Jack has sexually assaulted their how child.
0: Interesting. interesting. Um, okay. And I like I,
1: how Jack, like how he is with Danny, like, especially in the scene where Jack is starting on that descent, you know, when he's,
0: Oh, and this is when Danny comes into the bedroom to get his
1: toy. Yes. Okay. And Jack is just being really weird with him. And and
0: yes. Okay. Like I said, I don't fully support it.
1: I don't fully support it, but no, it tracks.
0: And that is a good example of, I wouldn't say enhancing the story because that sounds sort of strange in this context, but right. I would say giving more depth to the story. Mm-hmm. And again, it's so hard for me to say that because I love the book so much. Right. And so it's like, just do the book, you know? Yeah. But um, but I also really love Kubrick, and so I like the idea of that, as mm-hmm. horrible as that sounds. I think it adds this sort of, this new nuance to the characters and to even the direction, the camera movements. I think that's really interesting. Um, Because, I mean, it's very
1: obvious (laughs) that Jack hates his family from the minute they're on their way to the hotel. Which
0: is nuts, right? Because, of course, in the book...
1: Jack is very loving.
0: One of Stephen King's criticisms is he's not supposed to be nuts right off the bat. Right is is
1: yeah his, yeah in the book Jack is, very is a famous
0: f- criticism that he yeah.
1: Has. yeah in the book Jack is starts very loving towards Danny loving towards Wendy yeah and his okay. of course
0: his sobriety he's taking that very seriously again that's a way bigger plot point in the as story.
1: were Jack Nicholson already starts at a ten <laughs> yeah and just cranks <laughs> yeah, it oh, man. yeah uh, yeah because in the car ride like oh he watched it on the television like he clearly already hates his family
0: yeah he doesn't want them to be there but uh, he has immediately
1: no choice
0: (laughs) yeah which is strange because yeah he does he doesn't have to take them with him you know what i mean um but sorry that was super loud i i do like that molestation theory that's really neat i hadn't heard that one
1: uh i'll send you the link so you can watch it because because they do a full breakdown of the entire movie but then they kind of they talk about that and it's that's really cool. Everyone should check it out after you watch our video. <laughs> Go on the link and, and check it out. Yeah,
0: that's really neat. And of course, that, um, because it is, it is famously said that, you know, people who know the story hate that that's, that the bear and the, the man is never explained. Because that it's just there. Because people who know the story know why it's there. But, um, you know, people who don't are going to be like, what is that? Right. Right. Um, I, uh,. So I've never finished the book,
1: and well, and I want to say I remember hearing or reading that that's what that meant. But I actually enjoyed Yeah, yeah, yeah. not the, any context. It's, it's just weird. Yeah. And it's, Wendy's just like...
0: Right. And it is this sort of, you know, especially during this part of the film where they're just being bombarded mm-hmm. with all of this supernatural... Yeah, because Wendy concept.
1: is finally kind of op- I would say if anyone wakes up in the movie it's Wendy, mm-hmm. Uh because now she's finally seeing everything that Danny is probably already seen. Yeah. With his shine and that uh, that the hotel's hooking their
0: hooks in the Jag. Let's talk about the ghosts because okay. um there is of course another theory that there are no ghosts in the Overlook
1: that Jack is just crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, which I don't like, but uh, yeah, because and you would have to. It's it's the genie problem. Um, there's a a theory that uh, Ferris Bueller doesn't exist and it's just Cameron, but you can't explain the genie scenes, right? Right. So it's the genie problem because you can't explain if if there are no ghosts, then there's a lot of explaining you have to do the, yeah, the, with Dick I, Halloran and with. Danny especially but yeah,
1: and the biggest one and I, I mentioned it at the beginning of this episode who
0: let Jack out of the pantry who let Jack out of the pantry well Grady let him out of the pantry yeah. Um and I do like and he kept this in there which is really neat uh, I, I've always loved this exchange between Grady and and Jack where Grady explains that he's always been the caretaker here Mm-hmm. Right? I love that exchange. I, I don't know why, but I've always really liked that. And Kubrick kept it in, which is why I know he read the book. Right.
1: The, uh, another part of that new Rockstar's video is they explained that Jack could be a reincarnation of the original caretaker.
0: Eh. 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 Um, but anyway. So the ghosts. The ghosts. What I love so very much about Kubrick's direction and his style Mm -hmm. is that any time we are, especially with Jack, is having an interaction with the supernatural, we're always really pulled back. It's always these really wide shots in Mm -hmm. the beginning most of the time, which sort of separates us from the action, making it sort of odd. It's, It's not intimate anymore. You know, we're not in this space. We are watching someone interact with things that aren't there.
1: Like his first uh, interaction
0: with Lloyd. Yes. 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 And um, who for sure is the devil. (laughs) I really like Lloyd. I love their interactions. uh, Him and Lloyd Mm -hmm. um, at at the bar. Um, Also, that's supposed to be Grady, by the way. Really? Um, Yeah. Grady is supposed to be the bartender.
1: Oh, in the book. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: But I like the invention of Lloyd, because um, I don't think he's in the I don't think he's in the story. But um, anyway, does So it's been a while since I've read The Shining. Listen to The Shining. I don't read.
1: He's he not. Read I that. don't know
0: how. So, but I I love this sort of um, it's almost voyeuristic that we're you know looking through the window almost and seeing this man mm-hmm. have these interactions and they always seem sort of they're they're different tones, these scenes mm-hmm. with the supernatural, especially with Jack, I think. Oh yeah. And um and I think Kubrick just pulls that off so beautifully. I and again it, it it makes this a good horror film. Oh yeah. Making these scenes stand out from the other ones because of what's happening in them. And you can't really put I can't really put my finger on what it is that what makes it so different. Besides maybe just the knowledge of knowing that they're ghosts. but um, I
1: would say is that most of these scenes that Jack interacts with the ghosts, besides the lady in 237, right? which uh another big thing from the book that they scathed over of the yes. lady ODing on pills
0: yes. in, the, in the bathtub. Slit her wrist, yeah.
1: yeah. But anyway, um, to me it's always been almost welcoming mm-hmm. to Jack. Yes, like, Jack... Like, like, come. Like,
0: Yes, they... Th- and that's also in the book. They need Jack, mm. right? They feed off of of his... Of his hatred and his vulnerability with his drinking. And mm. uh, they feed off of that with him, right? right? Um, and, of course, uh, this is another thing that I thought. Wendy checks the boiler in the... Yeah. Uh, in the movie, which uh-huh. is how the hotel burns down. Um right. <gasps> Spoiler. In the book. Um, so I thought that was fun, that they they just have Wendy do it. Right. <laughs> you know? And it's supposed to be done every day, and it's whatever, whatever.
1: And we never see anyone down there. No.
0: And because the the caretaker, the... the during, th- during... The summer, yeah. Right. During the open mm-hmm. months... Uh, the caretaker um, is the one who walks Jack through all of this and right. then meets with Dick Halloran later. Right. right. It's not Stuart Ullman. Allman gets the, he says, hi, you're here, good, and gets the fuck out because they hate each other. Right. <laughs> in of right. story.
1: Um, As we're in this one, Ullman's like, let me walk
0: you around, Jack. But there are two other things that I absolutely love. The first one is when he is in the pantry, that shot from underneath him, oh, yeah. I I can't get enough of that. And in the behind the scenes, you watch him direct Jack um, doing the scene with him with the lens and underneath them. And okay, try it this way. Okay, John, try looking to the side when you say that. And it's awesome, right? Um, You can see how much detail Kubrick goes into.
1: Yeah, because I'm sure, and I'm sure, uh, (laughs) apart from Shelly, Jack was
0: like, all right, yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Gotcha. No problem. He's like, I'm on it. Gotcha, homie. You know, um, and I, I love I can't get enough of that shot.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's and it's very um, <clears throat> unnerving. Yeah. Uh, the shot of, of being underneath Jack watching almost uh, this transition Well, really him trying to goad when the end opening it because yep. he's acting sincere when he's he's already too far gone
0: and he's like i'm hurt i think you hurt me pretty bad i need a doctor things like that right
1: and then when he knows she's not going to open it that's when he's like
0: loses his mind yeah right in pure jack nicholson style which i love uh the other one is um the the axe so when he is swinging the axe in the door Mm -hmm. uh this is before he gets into the bathroom. Um, we follow the axe head with the camera. We're not following Jack, right? And so the, yeah, the, the camera, axe is... the camera swings and stops with the axe head as it makes contact with the door. I can't get enough of that. Oh either. yeah! I think it is so cool. Well, that uh, that
1: whole sequence is awesome because you know, <laughs> I guess they forgot that Jack Nicholson was a volunteer firefighter and um, knows how to <laughs> swing an axe. Swing an axe. And so they brought in fake doors because they're like, oh yeah, he's not gonna get through them, you know, yeah. super easy. No, he destroyed them, and they're like, <laughs> oops. And I think they were like, well, Jack, can you get through a real door? And he's like, yeah, bring in the real door, Dude, no problem, man. And yeah, and uh, it's it's become so iconic yeah. of him chopping through two doors. Yeah. It's very over-the-top.
0: It is very over-the-top. And, of course, the Here's Johnny thing is, you know, beyond iconic. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's so iconic that people don't even know that's a reference to, to Johnny, Johnny Carson. Carson. Right? Yeah. And, uh, which is fun. And that, as a lot of people don't realize, Johnny is a, is a nickname for Jack also.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, and also... Because
0: um, I think his name is Jonathan.
1: There's another theory... That I'm I'm a little little bit more supportive of is that Jack is also very uh, anti TV. Oh, okay. You know, well, another,
0: another that would make sense w- for oh, his he reaction it
1: on the television. Yeah. Um. But then, as he loses his mind, he becomes a TV character, almost like a cartoon, almost like a Looney Tune. Yeah. You know.
0: That's funny. Doing ah. the whole like,
1: and I'll huff, and I'll puff. And then you know, referencing Johnny
0: Carson. That one I like less, if I'm being honest. Okay. Yeah. That one I like
1: less. Well, I mean, it's not that big, really. No,
0: and I think that takes a lot more homework. Yeah. Than like the molestation one, which doesn't. That one, that one. That's why I like that one, I guess. But, um. But with the, with Jack sort of losing his mind, well, more than. He already was losing <laughs> yeah. his mind. He was already
1: batshit crazy. Yeah,
0: that those sequences are, are really fun. And especially, you know, like, also Kubrick only makes it seem like they were there for a week. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Which, of course, is not true in the, in the book. They're there for months.
1: Yeah, Ashley tracked it, like, open from May to August. And so then they would need someone there from, like, October to April. Yeah. And that's like six months.
0: Yes. And so they were there for like three or four months. Um,
1: before Jack finally snaps, snapped. Snap,
0: Right. Or before the hotel takes control over Jack. and Right. Um, the Another big gigantic difference is Jack doesn't use an axe. Yeah, it's a roke mallet. It's a roke mallet. It's the gigantic Denver croquet mallet. Yeah. Um, which makes it... I don't know, I would call it more brutal because he has to bludgeon them instead of just chop them, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, which I like that he uses a mallet in the... Well,
1: croquet, dude.
0: I mean, croquet's a bougie thing, but... Yeah, which is
1: kind of... That's kind of funny that Stephen King wrote that, like, that he kills you with such a bougie sport weapon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rather than this stainless steel acts
0: yeah and if you want it's hard for me to sort of suggest people watch this but you can watch the the miniseries from 1997 <laughs> yes um, when i was a kid i was obsessed with it i loved it i thought it was so good and now re-watching it i watched it like a year or so were
1: you ago. like oh god
0: I was like, oh no it's not good you know um, so there are things about it i don't like but
1: so, as we kind of mentioned with with the It miniseries, you know, I would say in the 90s, kind of like how we're going through now, the 90s were going through a Stephen King yes. renaissance. Now it kind of re-spiked back up in the 2010s.
0: Yes, because they Much also... Much better had, now. Yes. Well, <laughs> I would say The Stand... Oh, this I've heard The Stand is awful. Well, the original miniseries that Mick Garris did in the 90s... Is much better. Still, oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I've heard. I've heard the uh, the new the still. new one is
0: awful. Listen, if you want to hear us talk about that, I can. T- I can talk a while about why this one's not great. But,
1: um, but anyway, uh, so Stephen commissioned. Uh, because he even wrote it too. Yes, right? he
0: wrote the, the teleplay for.
1: Yeah, and record. so because
0: he, he's like, if you have to, if you want it done right, let me do it. Do it yourself. And here's the thing, <laughs> even though.
1: Jeremy and I both love the book. There are a few things in the book that don't
0: translate very well in film. I agree and especially then, so um like the hedge uh The hedge, uh, an- yes. hedge animals coming to life? Yes. Uh the hedge animals coming to life in the story doesn't look great in 1997. Um well, Tony also that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about it before in the first half of this thing. I don't like this. I don't like the finger thing. That drives me insane. Um, but also the explanation of Tony, uh, of being this thing that lives in his mouth and then hides in his stomach. I always found that just ridiculous. I don't.
1: Well, that play that supposedly plays another part into the molestation theory.
0: Okay. Oh. I like that. Okay, now I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm on board. Um, okay. Uh, but no, the real
1: reason for Tony is... It's, it's Danny. It's adult Danny reaching out through The Shining.
0: Yes. Uh, to warn him about certain things. And to essentially try to stop this from happening. Which is why in the book he's like, don't go mm-hmm. to the hotel Trust me, right? And of course, Danny doesn't realize it's him. Yeah, as an older guy. Right? Which uh,
1: would you say Stephen King kind of retconned a little bit with the Doctor Sleep book?
0: A little, but he was—he's older in Doctor Sleep,
1: much like older than I guess. I'm assuming the older version of Danny yes, was supposed to Tony be. Yes,
0: because Tony is like in his twenties. And of uh, course, um, and in doctor Sleep, he's, he's in his forties. Yeah. 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 Okay. All
1: right. Never mind. Yeah. No. Okay. Then I wouldn't say he retconned. I think he was paying. Well, Stephen King is a brilliant author, so I'm sure he was paying attention to his own world building. I think
0: about this so much, especially with it. I'm wondering. I've always wanted to ask him this: if he has a map that he has drawn up of Derry. Oh yeah. Like that he has in front of him. Like I just because everything's so specific and where people are and Derry's not a real place i so i'm sure he's got or maybe he's just that smart
1: i don't know tons of notes to make sure that he can thread yeah you know because man and we could talk for hours about the actual stephen king universe because at the center well, of, of it all it's the dark tower and you know that's what <laughs> I know it's insane but it's, anyway.
0: anyway but um and of course Dick Halloran is in it which we talked about in the first half of this thing but right um, um but anyway so in th- um I was going to make a point about well it was the molest- was it the molestation theory about Tony No, no, no 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 it was cuz I like that actually
1: oh uh, it was well, this wasn't it but I wanted to mention this is you know as I was mentioning now with the 2010s we're going through kind of this Stephen King renaissance again of his, his books being adapted into movies some are hits some are misses again The Dark Tower Dark
0: Tower a miss yeah
1: Yeah. which is a shame great cast the movie did not hit it at all but anyway story for another day Um, and I often found myself wondering uh, during kind of the early stages of this if they were ever going to remake The Shining and then I saw
0: Doctor Sleep and I'm like nope no. nope nope well because flanagan now mike flanagan makes shout out mike flanagan he's redeeming kubrick's shining with dr sleep while mm. still maintaining its cultural significance yes because like if he had decided to use the steven weber um shout out the wings uh <laughs> steven the steven <laughs> weber mick garris uh, 97 shining. Uh-huh. No one's going to know what that is. Right. My dad and I will. That's it. <laughs> you
1: know, not a big fan base. Right. So yeah, because the movie has become, and it's and it is uh, ironic that it has become this cultural phenomenon. As you mentioned, you know, even though people may, some people probably have never seen the movie, they know. Here's Johnny. Right. Um, and like I said, it's ironic because Stephen King, of course, now, again, shout out Mike Flanagan, uh, for redeeming it, Stephen King at the time hated it. And it's so... Which
0: I, you could completely understand why. And oh, it's absolutely. Because it's like you wrote something and someone just like set it on fire in front of you. You know Ooh, what I mean? We or should
1: ask Quentin Tarantino. In front of you. We should ask Quentin Tarantino about Natural Born Killers. We really should yeah
0: yeah let's get him on the line so he listens so but I, I agree oh yeah and you know i understand why stephen king hates it so much for a while i boycotted the movie because i'm such a fan that mm-hmm. i'm like if he hates it i hate it <laughs> you know um we hate kate hudson now yeah get on board and so i'm like yeah man Kubrick's a son of a bitch <laughs> <You know> what <laughs> what I mean? um but after seeing it i go wait a minute wait a minute Wait a minute. Well and and I think and that's kind of the point we've sort of been
1: making is yes there are all these changes, but this the movie stands on its own. Yes. If people as its own entity. If
0: people were to ask me, is the movie good, I would say as an adaptation,
1: no. As a movie? Yes. Absolutely. Yes.
0: As a as a horror movie, it's a home run. Right. Right. As an adaptation, no. No. Um, so don't a, ask
1: me if it's an adaptation
0: it's a good study in adaptation to see you know to see different you know sort of ends of this spectrum of this you know bell jar of this graph mm-hmm. this is an extreme this is an extreme adaptation of taking very little and and, and creating something completely different and then there's the other where it's Exactly the same, right? Right. People complain about both. So
1: yeah, um, the Sandy Kubrick's. so it's nothing like the book, and then Stephen King's. Well, it's not good.
0: Yeah, well, it's not good, right? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. Um, it's not made well, and it was on television, and you know, so
1: you know, I want to say that's one of the first things you ever told me when we were in high school is how much of a fan you were of The Shining. And because I I would rem- I had remembered in high school, my mom telling me about the movie, and I want to say you you were the one who told me like yeah yeah, yeah the movie the movie's alright the movie's alright but Stephen King he did a, a TV show and it's so much better, I I really want to say you told me that
0: I probably did I told everybody and I, I was, was just like
1: I was just like okay well I don't think I ever saw the show so I I don't care Jeremy and yeah. you're just like
0: but yeah the show. But it's accurate. You know what I mean? And sometimes that doesn't matter. Yeah. I think. Uh, I mean. <sighs> if you just want to listen uh, to Campbell Scott read it to you on Audible, go for it. That's yeah. just as good.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, the the, the Audible is, is really good. That's how I was listening to it. But, yeah, man, it's.
0: <sighs> the Shining is. It's unique this is a different beast than yeah. uh, than some of the other stuff that we've talked about and that's why it's been that's why it takes two episodes or this one really long, long one uh, yeah to talk about it because there is just so much right because yeah. there is so much to just we could have done a 2 hour just about the differences you know yeah. between the book and the movie and then you know we could have done another one about the stupid theories and then we could have done another one
1: about... About the actual movie itself. Right. And then, you know, the acting. and Because there is so much to unpack and digest of yeah. the movie. Now, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't expecting this episode to turn into the the beast that it has become. Yeah. But I'm glad it did because it is so... There, there is just so much, you know... The only I would say the only other movie, and we will do this one, uh, the only other movie with so much to unpack uh, and you're gonna hate me, probably. Is the Big Lebowski? Okay. <laughs> There's so much to unpack in the Big Lebowski, and we will do it. That's so funny. Uh, I think I've already told you yes, what, we we're gonna, what we're going to what we're going to do it on. Yes, and
0: when we're going to do uh, it. We're going to I'm
1: going to go ahead and let everyone know now. Hundredth episode special is, gonna be the is big going Lebowski. to be the Big Lebowski. Yeah. I don't care if it's your pick. It will. Oh, that's fine.
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter. We'll 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 save it as it's no one's pick. It's the hundredth episode. It's Big Lebowski. So right. That's fine.
1: But anyway, but yeah, it just, man, and the movie is. And I think that's what makes it so much fun to
0: talk about is that the movie is really good, and with his style that that leads to these theories, right? Because mm-hmm. like, like we've mentioned before, it's it's 400 takes or he's not doing it, right? right. And so with that much attention to detail, with the you should look over here when you say that, with your eyes, like, don't move mm-hmm. your head, just move your eyes, look over. that matters to him. And so with that much attention to detail, these little things that are in there, like that stupid sticker, Mm -hmm. it's got to matter because he notices, right? Because he pays attention. Right. Right? And so um, I think a lot of this also is just knowing who Kubrick is as a filmmaker. Right. And if people didn't really know that, I don't think they would care. I I think they would just chalk, chalk it up as it's a continuity error. Right. But because people know Kubrick and how meticulous he is and the genius that he is mm-hmm. that people just have to assume it's on purpose.
1: Right. And and that's what leads to all these right insane <laughs> out there. Sometimes albeit close theories. Can I
0: tell you my least favorite? Tell me your theory least favorite. Is the people who watch the movie Backwards and forwards at the same time.
1: Oh, to have a... mm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When they got to that
1: on that documentary, I was like, are you fucking stupid? (laughs) If you do that with any movie, things are going to line up that are like, oh, that
0: could mean something. I will will loosely quote um, Max in the movie Pie. You study something long enough, patterns emerge, no matter what. Yeah. Right. You look into something long enough, you're going to find things. And I it's because you're looking, number one. But number two, it's like, of course, there are patterns everywhere in nature, even in our individual cells and DNA. So I mean there's
1: That's insane that's why I haven't watched or read any behind the scenes stuff. I mean a, a few behind the scenes stuff, but that's why I haven't read anything about how he did certain things with like Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. I don't wanna know. Let me keep the mystery alive. Yeah. Same with Clockwork Orange.
0: Yeah, Clockwork Orange is another one you can s- probably dive into a lot. Especially
1: that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Closest
0: one he's ever done adaptation wise. Yeah. The only thing he did was he just didn't do the right version. He did the the abridged. Um, we're missing a chapter at the end version. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, we talked about that before. Yeah. But, um, I, I yes. So. <laughs> yes, watching this film backwards and forwards at the same time. Don't do that. Yeah. Um and first of all, how would you do it? There you have to have like this crazy apparatus to do it, especially to overlap them also because they would they would overlay them on top of one another mm-hmm. to get this sort of double exposure effect, right? Right. Insane I insanity.
1: If anyone heard that? I think uh, my wife ordered herself dinner.
0: Now there is something to this Watching things backwards and forwards, oh. I've heard with uh, the the last two episodes of Twin Peaks The Return, I've heard oh. if you watch those back to back or at the exact same time, they link up or what, like oh. it makes more sense and there's stuff that, that I believe because Lynch is nuts well, enough to do well, that. Yeah, I was about to say because David Lynch <laughs> is a madman. Because David Lynch is like, why don't we just... Why don't we make it to where if you watch them at the same time, it is some you'll notice more things or whatever. And they're like, okay.
1: You know? so I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just side by side even. Like it's
1: bad enough that I am slowly finally learning how to watch a foreign language film yes. without... I can just watch it, see the subtitles, and still as pay attention. As much as I hate
0: reading... I uh, I am pretty good at it. I've Surprisingly so. My mom can't even do it, and she has a master's degree. So.
1: Yeah, I think... She hates it. She I think it's just relaxing your eyes and just watching. I think it
0: is. And it's understanding that, number one, some stuff, some dialogue you can let go. Not everything. Mm. Just because it's being presented to you doesn't mean it's that important, right? Yeah, um, like, like there's, the movie I just watched. There's throwaway dialogue, right, sometimes. Or there's stuff that... You Don't anyway, I'm I don't want to teach people how to watch a foreign film, but that's how you do it, that's how you do it.
1: yeah. Uh, so Jeremy, yes, are you ready to wrap up, wrap, wrap yes, up, yes? I am this uh, supersized, yes, episode,
0: the supersized splice together episode. <laughs> uh, that two weeks in the making,
1: yes. Uh, uh, yeah, man, The I Shining, I love
0: The Shining, yeah, as I do I. Uh, I
1: don't know if you've ever seen it on my backpack, but I have a little like hotel keychain. That says The Overlook on it. That's cute. I, I'll have to show you. Cause I, uh, I
0: have one somewhere that I bought from the Stanley that says The Overlook. And it says Room 217. And it's got, that's pretty tight. And it's got an old-timey key and a thing. So.
1: I see, mine didn't come with a gauge. It was just, it was just like an old-timey like, keychain. But anyway. <laughs> yes, I, I love the movie, man. Um, one, I, I didn't mention it. This will be our oops, I forgot. One of my favorite lines in the entire movie is when... Wendy finds Jack at the bar and she's like, you know, there's someone in the hotel and how Nicholson delivers, delivers. What? are you out of your fucking mind?
0: <laughs> I, I it's will. yeah.
1: Great. Uh, you know, and, and Jack is such a phenomenal actor. I wish he wouldn't have retired, but he's a thousand years old. He so is.
0: He's, so uh, he turned 84 today. Yeah. I so think it's his birthday.
1: Homie needs to take it easy. So we can cherish him longer. Yeah. Um, but he, he's just phenomenal in it. I don't care that he already starts off at a 10.
0: Yeah, I think, again, for Kubrick's Shining, it's fine. Yeah. Right? Again, that's why it doesn't say Stephen King's The Shining. It says Stanley Kubrick's Shining because this is his movie. Right. This is his quote-unquote adaptation. This is his version of this story. Right. And love it or not, it's a great movie. And I, it deserves you know to be talked about as such it deserves mm-hmm. to be said it's one of the best horror movies ever made
1: absolutely just don't come up with any stupid ass theories
0: don't watch it at the same time don't watch this movie forwards and backwards that's dumb so Jeremy yes sir what are we going to actually talk about next week <laughs> um good question so i i was um debating back and forth i wasn't going to make you do one of your nevers or even, it was up, and you know what, i maybe, I'll let you pick. Oh, fuck. It's up to these two. Oh, fuck. Okay? We can do The Tribe. Okay. Or You Were Never Really Here. I'll let you decide right now. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, you either don't get any dialogue, or you get a Lynn Ramsey follow-up to um, We Need to Talk About Kevin. So.
1: You Were Never Really Here is the one with walking uh, Phoenix, right? Yes.
0: Yes. Let's go with that one. Okay. Uh, so next week we're going to do Lynn Ramsey's uh, You Were Never Really Here. It's amazing. Um, Dad, I watched it with Dad. I thought he was really going to like it. Okay?
1: He didn't like it? He
0: didn't, and it's for a very specific reason, and we're not going to talk about it right okay, now. Okay, good. But um, it's, and I understand, because he's just like, Ugh. But um, I cleansed his palate with the house that Jack built. I don't know if that'll give you... I don't know if that'll... And he liked that one. So I don't... I, I don't know if that'll give away why he didn't like You're he Never Here. But um, this movie is unbelievable. Lynn Ramsey is... She's a genius.
1: Shout out to our We Need to Talk About Kevin episode. Yes. Uh, go back uh, wherever you get your podcast and uh, listen to that one. Uh, it's called uh, Going to the Big House... Making you scared, uh, or no? Yeah. Or no. Uh, Something to that going effect. Going
0: to a big school making you nervous. That's it. Um, yeah. It, because that movie is a masterpiece, also. Mm-hmm. And the, it's such a shame that she has to wait so long to make these movies. Uh, it's a seven-year difference between. We need to talk about Kevin and this one. She shouldn't have to wait that long um, to make a movie. I, I think that. People should be more on board with her ideas because they're amazing.
1: Uh, So what Jeremy's saying to all you uh, Producers out there Idiots Give her money
0: Yeah give her money to make movies man Because Yeah she directs episodes of television every now and then Mm. But Let her make movies man They're so good So We You were never really here next week
1: Yes and this will be official uh, Next week Uh, We will not make you guys wait another two weeks No Um, Oops (laughs) But you know what we're glad you stuck around and listened to this probably two hour long episode very reminiscent of season one um and you so, so so thanks for sticking around yeah um we promise we won't do it again and we will see you next week for we need to talk about kevin <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I just realized we've already done. We need to talk about Kevin. So we'll see you next week for You Were Never Really Here.
0: There it is. Midnight, where the
1: stars and you. Midnight, and a
0: rendezvous. Your eyes held a message tender. I surrender
1: all my love to you.